You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ironman. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. OTAs underway for some teams. Minicamp around the corner in June. It is a good time to reassess what we have all across the league for offensive skill positions. And what we've been doing here with our top nine list is going through the most uncertain situations. We've done quarterback and running back today. As we close the week, we're going to look at wide receivers. That means tight ends are around the corner looking at the depth charts, uh, who's number one, who's number two, and things that we're not sure about here going into the heat of the offseason and training camp to come. We'll have some camp battles to determine the pecking order of these receiving cores, who's going to be XYZ, and making sense of that with our ABCs here. So we're going to do that with wide receivers today, nine situations will count down from nine to one. So least cloudy to the most cloudy here. So we will look at those situations for you uh, on today's show. Good way to close the week here in Locked on Fantasy Football. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. Every day, again, we are proud to bring you these top nine lists to uh, give you more perspective on the offseason. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day as well. All right, let's uh, dive right in. And number nine, and how we broke this down is having some fantasy football relevance. So we left off the Rams and Titans. They were on the cutting room floor here. These are the situations that have some relevance to fantasy football that we care about a little bit more. Rams, we know we're just going after Cooper Cup and Traylon Burks and maybe not much else there in these situations. So these other nine teams there's some viability here where we want to know how it's going to play out with these receivers so number nine on the list the chiefs and Kadarius tony looks like the default number one guy to make a lot of plays for this team without juju smith schuster but the rest of their depth chart reads sky Moore, marquez valdez scantling they added richie james as well the former 49er and giant who's had flashed a little bit when given the opportunity as a backup versatile guy that can play inside or outside and they also used a draft pick on SMU's Rasheed Rice. So interesting set of receivers here playing off Travis Kelsey at tight end. Tony has a big opportunity here to live up to being maybe a replacement Tyreek Hill. So every opportunity is there for Tony. He looks clear as the number one. Sky Moore might be in a little bit of trouble here because they can work in James in the slot a little bit more consistently. Moore coming off a shaky rookie year. You'll get Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's the deep, threat field stretcher on the outside for Patrick Mahomes. Rasheed Rice is a rookie, so we'll see if he can carve out a role. But definitely there's some competition here behind Tony for those key targets behind Mahomes. And we know there's not always room for that, right? We've seen Tyreek Kill and then a big drop-off to Miko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, some former Chiefs there, and not much else is productive. But I would say right now, MBS is going to have some value just because of Mahomes' big arm and throwing downfield. Don't sleep on James having a key role and more just being out there and maybe still learning the ways of this offense and route running. 
there. I think Kadarius Tony can be accelerated and make a lot of plays. Right now, he's listed outside the wide receiver threes and half point PPR. So everyone playing cautious here with the Chiefs and how their receivers will play out. But I, I would say anyone that's going to have viability behind Kelsey, I'd say it's going to be Tony. Watch out for more dropping a little bit. Rice could definitely impress and have a bigger role. He's a good inside-outside guy with strong hands to be a route-running possession player here for the Chiefs. So we'll see how it plays out. But I feel most confident that Tony is going to be kind of the go-to guy that they can move around because that's why they made the deal for him with the Giants. I mean, it makes sense. The Giants run some of their offense with Mike Kafka. So there was a natural progression to go with Tony here and take a shot at him. So... Tony's going to be the guy with the speed and quickness. MBS is going to be the field stretcher. They won't necessarily have that Juju Smith-Schuster big slot. I think a good candidate for that. Again, James and Rice can battle, and they're better suited for that spot than Sky Moore is at this point. So watch how that plays out. But I'm excited about Tony's upside for sure, as should everyone in fantasy football in 2023. We go to the Minnesota Vikings. We know who the number one is, is Justin Jefferson, but really want to figure out the number two here. There's a lot of vacated key targets. I know they have TJ Hawkinson there at tight end, who's going to be a key target for Kirk Cousins, but you lose Adam Thielen. That's a big factor in the red zone all over the field. You need some viability. So do you get more of Jordan Addison? Do you get more of uh, KJ Osborne? So that's going to be the battle we're going to watch. Addison can line up all over the field. He can be a dedicated slot, but also has some ability to play on the outside. Who's going to get the more consistent reps here in this offense? Uh, again, you can see them using a little bit more 12 personnel. They've uh, moved on from Irv Smith Jr., so I still think you'll see 11 of quite a bit here spreading the field. So it's a matter of uh, who's going to be the guy that Cousins trusts the most. Now, Osborne has the most experience in this offense. They could go in that direction, but... There's a lot of Jordan Addison style of receiving and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and that's good for Kevin O'Connell here, the former Rams offensive guy now in charge of the entire Vikings team. So I would say Jordan Addison is a good inside track to have the key role ahead of Osborne here because of where he can play and where they're faking targets and where the targets have gone. When Thielen was there, Osborne was a limited guy that would go in from game to game. Don't forget about Jalen Naylor. He can also play Osborne's role, where I think Addison has a little bit more route versatility go inside-outside here to help Jefferson. And Jefferson also, we know, from his days at LSU, is an excellent slot receiver. So I think they want the interchangeability there between the receivers. They're going to give the rookie Addison first-rounder as much opportunity here to carve out a key dominant target role behind Jefferson in Minnesota. The final team we'll talk about in the segment as number seven, we know who the number one is for the Jets. It's Garrett Wilson. He can have a big year with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. But how else does it play out? You have Alan Lazard, a very familiar target for Rodgers from the Packers. You have Miko Hardman coming over from the Chiefs. So he's in the mix. This is the order of the way they're ranked. Corey Davis, I still think, could have a bigger role here as that outside number two. You have Denzel Mims still hanging on. We'll see his roster spot is really in jeopardy here. And, of course... Randall Cobb also had to come from Green Bay to the Jets. So you have Cobb and Lazard, two familiar targets for Rodgers. Hardman, we know that he can be a special playmaker at times with Mahomes from his history with the Chiefs. But Corey Davis has some viability here. I look at it, Al Lazard can be a big slot. He's got nice size here. So it's going to be interesting between Lazard and Davis who steps up. Hardman has had plenty of opportunities. I think part of his role is also the return game here for the Jets to kind of rev that up, losing Elijah Moore, they traded him, so they needed that type of player 
here to replace Moore, who went to the Browns. So interesting remixed receiving core, especially with Lazard, Hardman, and Cobb. They kept Davis. I thought they would go after a wide receiver in the draft. Did not materialize. They're fine with Wilson as a first-rounder from last year. So Wilson locked in loaded here, but I think there's going to be more viability for fantasy value. So Alan Lazard ranked right beside the wide receiver threes and a half-point PPR. Wilson is way up there. He's a borderline wide receiver one. So we're trying to figure out if there's another guy that can step up. But I do think Davis keeping him was key. Maybe Rodgers evaluated that and said, look, I like his size here that can play on the outside, take advantage of the single coverage he'll face because Wilson will get a lot of attention now. And also have a guy with size to play off Lazard and create some catch radius issues for coverage opponents. So there's a lot of things to look at. I mean, Cobb, I just saw him last year. I think he was just slowing down quite a bit. I think he's just a guy. I think it still might be a reach for him to make the team. Maybe Rodgers' influence will make sure he's on there ahead of Denzel Mims, who is faded pretty well in this offense here. So something to watch, but I would say right now it's looking good for Corey Davis based on how this offseason went to have some key targets behind Wilson with a Lazard being kind of the number three wherever he lines up most consistently. All right, there you have it. There's three very notable fantasy football situations for wide receivers we're trying to figure out here for 2023. They get a little bit more uncertain as we go here, as we count down from six all the way to number one here, as we try to extract fantasy football value at this key position from every team in the NFL. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, then there's only one protein bar that you can go after. That is built. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. Trust me on this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, built bars and built puffs are just the thing for you because they're all healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. You got to try these. I love them. I love having my bars on hand wherever I'm going. And I know I'm going to get a delicious treat and feel good about it because built bars they're so good because they're all covered in 100 real dark chocolate that's right real chocolate in every bar they come in unbelievable flavors that i don't know how they do it here they pull it off every time churro peanut butter brownie cookies and cream they all taste delicious and if you think those taste like desserts you're right because i'm not sure if built does it these bars all taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros with bars and puffs so it's even better they are packed with protein with 17 grams there, only 130 calories, and 4 grams of sugar. So you're getting your protein without getting too much sugar for your day, and uh, you can power through your day with Built Bars and Puffs. Now, you don't have to wait to get a box of Built Bars or Puffs. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars only at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. While you can still get those specialty flavors that come out from time to time, make sure you're checking them out at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. There you can grab yourself a box of Built Bars or Puffs. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in grab a 13-bar box to get you going with hip flavors, including brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. So check it out. Built Bars and Puffs available not only at Built.com, but as well as your local Walmart and Sam's Club stores. All right, it is time to continue the show here on a Friday on Locked On Fantasy Football, breaking down the six most uncertain wide receiver situations. Now we've uh, already addressed the bottom three in our top nine. That's the Chiefs at number nine, the Vikings at eight, the Jets at seven. So interesting with the good passing games there. We continue that here. The Broncos coming at number six. We're not sure about Jerry Judy's status as a wide receiver too. I think this is very shaky 
in this new offense with Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi. You have now Russell Wilson settling, maybe whispering a little bit. They didn't really want to keep Judy, it seems like, beyond this year. So something we have to be concerned about there for sure. And uh, they had drafted Marvin Mims, who can do some of the things that Judy can, but has a little bit more big play flair, whether working downfield or after the catch. So something to look at with Judy. Are they phasing him out? And some consideration there. I'd feel the best about Cortland Sutton. Remember last offseason, Wilson and Sutton seemed to have things going. Then the injury durability issues didn't happen. The offense didn't materialize in their favor under Nathaniel Hackett. So look, watch out for Sutton reestablishing himself as a number one. And don't sleep on Tim Patrick coming off a knee injury from last year. He also has the contract. So Sutton and Patrick will be motivated here. They realize what they have in these two guys. And Judy could actually fade because they also have KJ Hamler still on the roster. So when you look at that, you have Hamler and Mims that can work inside. I think Sutton and Patrick are dedicated X and Z receivers on this team. I don't think they can play the slot as well. They can at times, but Judy would be the Y here, but he has some real competition. And the other thing, what do the Saints like to do from their offense in the past? Stretch the field a little bit. And they also have Marquez Callaway. It's an interesting pickup there that showed a little bit more than just his ability as a field stretcher at times, uh, he had a brief flash for Jameis Winston, but didn't quite fit last year with their quarterback situation transition. So the Saints take a chance on him, as Peyton knows him well. So they can work that in. Lombardi can't take some deep shots. Look for that. But look at the profiles of the receiver. I don't think Judy is quite Keenan Allen from that charger situation with Lombardi. But Sutton and Patrick more fit in with what Mike Williams can give them. Patrick, I don't think, gets enough credit for being a key possession guy the way that Allen can be as well. So I'm not feeling great about Jerry Judy. I think he's the shakiest spot here on this depth chart. Southern Patrick should continue to build momentum here and watch out how it plays out between Hamler, Mims, and Callaway here to see who's got the most promise to have a regular role as a phase-out Judy here in 2023. I just don't expect him to be re-signed in Denver, so it behooves them to look at the other weapons here with Peyton and Lombardi. Now we go to the places where you're not sure if you're going to draft anyone in fantasy. And we start with the Patriots. Uh, they come in at number five, most uncertain wide receiver situation. Juju Smith-Schuster ranked outside of the wide receiver threes at half point PPR. He comes over, replaces Jacoby Myers, who went to the Raiders. He's going to be their clear number two behind Devontae Adams ahead of Hunter Renfro. So now you have Juju Smith-Schuster taking over from the Patriots. He's listed right now as their best fantasy football option. Will they work him in the big slot as well? Is he going to be hurt by the 12 personnel that are bound to use with Bill O'Brien with Mike Gusecki and Hunter Henry? So some things to look at there for sure. Like what will be Juju's inside role? Are they going to go double slot, double tight end, that type of thing? So it's not the greatest landing spot. Juju had a very viable fantasy football season, not what he did early in his career with the Steelers, but worked out well with Mahomes and the Chiefs. But now drop off to Mac Jones. You have Tyquan Thornton that they're high on. They drafted him early. He needs to stay healthy to do something. Devontae Parker is still there. Kendrick Bourne is also a factor. And they also drafted Keishon Booty from LSU. I really liked him as a potential first or second round pick. The Patriots get him as a value pick here. So it's a bit uh, interesting here if they go tight end forward with their 12 personnel with O'Brien. What's left here to pick up the pieces? But I feel least confident about Thornton and Parker, to be honest with you. Parker just can't stay on the field. Thornton has had his injury issues as a younger player. Bourne has had some nice relevance, but Keishon Booty, I think, has a great opportunity to climb up here because he's got the speed, quickness, inside-outside that they like here to run several routes, and it could really 
play into his uh, benefit here if they go inside first here with Juju Schuster as a big slot. Boudet is a slightly smaller slot here. Some guy that can play on the outside as well. So, again, it's wide open here for this receiving core, but not feeling thrilled about attaching myself too much, again, once again, to Patriots wide receivers in 2023 in fantasy. The number four team with an uncertain wide receiver situation, the Houston Texans. I'm not sure what you're going to get from this mix. It's interesting. There's no more Brandon Cooks. He was the clear guy that you looked at all over the field, but now he's with the Cowboys working with CeeDee Lamb and um, and Michael Gallup. So when you look at the Texans, Nico Collins by default, but way down there. We're not sure who the quarterback's going to be. Davis Mills said he's not going to throw in the towel in the battle with C.J. Stroud. So interesting thing developing between those two. So We'll see how that plays out, but Nico Collins is a field stretcher, can make some big plays. But John Mechie, fully healthy, got cleared. He's in the number two listed right now. Robert Woods is in the mix, uh, trying to hold on to his career after bouncing around from the Rams situation. You have Tank Dell. He came out early with great chemistry in the rookie camp with C.J. Stroud. You also have another rookie in Xavier Hutchinson. And Noel Brown, the former Cowboy also. So remixed receiving core. And you look at the 49ers offense that the Texans are adopting here with Bobby Slowick. It's uh, those guys that can make plays after catch. And you would say Mechie and Dell have the best opportunities here. Big play guys that can do some things. Woods is more possession guy. Collins has had his chances here with the past coaching staff. Hasn't really stepped up to be a potential outside number one. So it's wide open for me with Stroud. I think Stroud's presence would favor not only... Dell and Mechie as the young players, but also Hutchinson, the fellow rookie here on this team. So this situation with their wide receivers in Houston could be totally turned upside down. I'm not sure you're going to get too much viability out of it, but I actually feel better if it's Stroud in there instead of Davis Mills to uh, give some of these receivers life and fantasy. So they're more on the sleeper waiver wire radar than anything you're going to draft here. Same thing goes with the Patriots. The final three teams actually you would draft players from, and it's intriguing because you know there's some upside, and if you hit on the right players, uh, you will get great fantasy football value here in 2023. So we'll reveal those top three teams with the most uncertain wide receiver situations for fantasy football in our last segment. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. Every dayers, uh, don't forget, we will look at the tight ends and some situations that we're going to try to work through in fantasy football there in 2023. We'll do that on our show around the corner after the weekend here. So hopefully uh, we're going to celebrate a nice, uh, safe Memorial Day weekend and come back and uh, break down more fantasy football themes here for you with our top nine list. And we'll close looking at the tight ends with this particular series within a series here on Locked On Fantasy Football. All right, it's time to close the show, counting down to the top, and when I say top, the most uncertain wide receiver situation, so not the one that puts us most at ease here. So recapping quickly, number nine, we had the Chiefs, led by Kadarius Tony, the Vikings behind Justin Jefferson. Number seven was the Jets behind Garrett Wilson. You had the Broncos, is Jerry Judy going to be the guy, or Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick going to step up there? They were number six. The Patriots were number five with Juju Smith-Schuster. Texans came in at... Number four, their best option so far being Nico Collins with a chance of being displaced. So who makes the top three? Well, number three is the Carolina Panthers. And I'm very intrigued by the situation because I believe in Bryce Young. 
and I think he's going to be the starting quarterback. He's shown every sign so far that that's going to happen, and he's going to display Sandy Dalton, that they're going to feel comfortable with him in Frank Reich and Thomas Brown's offense. So now where do we go with the receivers? Adam Thielen is listed as the highest, and Thielen has the savvy, the veteran looks to be the most reliable, stay on the field. He fits this offense really well when you look at his profile with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce from the Colts, so that lines up well in a Frank Reich offense. And some sensibilities there as a big slot. And a little bit of Robert Woods in him as well from the Thomas Brown influence of the Rams. So Adam Thielen, I think, is going to end up being their number one and has some real viability, especially in the red zone. They don't have tight ends they can look at that you feel comfortable with beyond uh, Tommy Tremble, Ian Thomas here. You're not feeling all that great about those guys. There's uh, key targets in the red zone, short to intermediate. So Thielen, I think half point and full point PPR, he's going to have a lot of value and have a nice rebound season as a key target. I don't know if the touchdowns are going to be as high here, but I think Thielen's a great spot. Now, DJ Chark, I like the concept of DJ Chark, but again, he disappointed last year in Detroit when he had a big opportunity. He couldn't stay on the field, so I'm real more intrigued by Terrace Marshall Jr. He's number two. I think he's forgotten here because they added Chark and Thielen, and they also drafted early Jonathan Mingo. So Mingo had some rising uh, talent there that they had to take a shot on and try to tap into the upside. But Mingo's still listed as the number four. LaVisca Cheneau Jr. is at number five. Terrace Marshall's the intriguing number three on the step chart, right? So Chark, again, has had trouble staying on the field since he ripped up his ankle in that game for the Jaguars against the Bengals. So that's been a concern. Thielen, again, older. So it opens the door up for Marshall to have a bigger role here. So He's been teasing at his talent, what he can do on the outside. He can be untapped a little bit. The previous regime didn't know what to do with Terrace Marshall. He comes from that LSU system. Really, Chark does too from a few years ago. But when you look at Marshall, I mean, playing with Justin Jefferson, coming out of the same system that gave you Jamar Chase, working with Joe Burrow, I think Terrace Marshall could have a big breakout at some point. He's more of the dedicated outside guy. And if Chark can't stay on the field and Thielen is more on the inside, Marshall can have a big thing develop here in his favor. So let's watch it with Bryce Young and his chemistry, how it develops if they have to go with Andy Dalton. I also feel Dalton with Thielen here, his type of receiver, the Tyler Boyd type. So going back there, and we've also seen him throw those possession types in Chicago and Dallas. So a lot of things lining up, but I think Thielen and Marshall are going to have more viability than we think, especially if Bryce Young is the starting quarterback sooner rather than later in Carolina. The number two team with an uncertain backfield that we're intrigued by in fantasy or would say not backfield receiving core but you could put these guys in the backfield and make some plays here but the Ravens are pretty clear they were J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards here in the receiving core Rashad Bateman has a lot of company he took offense to Eric DaCosta saying we need to upgrade a little bit wide receivers kind of uh, blowing him over but he wasn't healthy he has not been available very well here early in his career so he used a first round pick on Zay Flowers out of Boston College a Tyler Lockett clone Rashad Bateman hoping to be a little bit more like Marquise Hollywood Brown they missed Brown last year in his field stretching ability you have Odell Beckham Jr. as the number three Devin DuVernay the track star with some uh, big playability out of the slot is number four and Nelson Aguilar another newcomer with Beckham here at number five Aguilar we know has inside outside as well Beckham is a big play guy on the outside at times, but also a good red zone threat. Flowers can line up anywhere. And Bateman, we know, has some reliability there on the outside when he can get there with Lamar Jackson. So this is tough here. So backfield a little actually has a little bit more clarity because we know Dobbins, Edwards, Justice Hill, the same thing here. But this receiving core with Bateman all over the place now because you had 
Flowers, Beckham, and Aguilar. It really hurts Duvernay's value of ha having any viability here. I know he was a fantasy football sleeper last year behind Bateman, but that's not going to materialize. James Prochet, those type of players, uh, totally off the radar here. For the Ravens, they were just tired of uh, youngsters, so they go after a couple veterans here in Beckham and Aguilar and use another high draft capital after get, taking Bateman in the first round a few years ago. So we'll see how this plays out, but it's a really good spot here for Flowers and Beckham. That's all I'm going to say. I think Aguilar is just a guy at this point. He's bouncing around as a key possession guy that you can look at. Duvernay is a guy that they rely upon a lot in the return game, so it takes pressure off him to have some viability. But if they were happy with Bateman, his availability, and his playmaking, they would not be so aggressive to get these two pieces and they're also transitioning to a new offense with Todd Munkin opening things up there so what I see is Flowers and Beckham maybe working on the outside here and Bateman turning into the big slot and don't forget you also have Mark Andrews at tight end as well as Isaiah Likely so it clouds some judgment here so I would not be surprised if Flowers emerges as the key target here or Beckham here as they go forward so Bateman is a make or break here I think for him given all the pressure they put on with adding the receivers and changing the offense to be a little more downfield passing oriented. So we have to see how this one plays out, but I feel the best right now about Flowers and Beckham based on their aggressive nature to pick these guys up and uh, DaCosta's comments that they need a little bit more punch at this position. The most uncertain wide receiver situation in the NFL is the Giants. And it, I can't believe this because it was last year as well. But now it's even more confusing. Kenny Galladay is gone, but they brought back both Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. So here's how it plays out right now. Wondell Robinson coming off an injury as a rookie, the dynamic, versatile receiver out of Kentucky. He's number one. You have Slayton listed as the number two. Isaiah Hodgins helped them out in a pinch last year. He's number three. You have that field-stretching speedster that they drafted out of Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt. They added another speedster with great quickness in the open field from the Colts in Paris Campbell. And then you have Sterling Shepard, the venerable guy. Once had a big contract with his team, now is still hanging on, trying to extend his NFL career after all those injury-riddled seasons here. So your guess is as good as mine how this plays out here. And Slayton has uh, some chemistry going back to the rookie seasons with Jones. Hodgins was effective last year. Robinson they drafted because they liked his special ability all over the field. Paris Campbell had some potential there to be that key target to all over for the Colts. Didn't happen there. Jalen Hyatt can be acting like a number one beyond a vertical threat. And Sterling Shepard is Sterling Shepard, right? He's been the venerable one that's helped his team out of pinch in the transition from Odell Beckham Jr., speaking of OBJ. I don't know how this is going to play out. At least Kenny Galladay is not in this mix, and you don't have someone just occupying space that's not going to do anything to produce here. And you add to this mix, Darren Waller with Daniel Bellinger at tight end. So I don't know where they're going to go, but you look at this offense, it would seem to favor Wondell Robinson because Kadarius Tony seemed a little bit redundant for them to keep, so they traded him. And I think Robinson still has the best chance of doing something here. Slayton and Shepard can't trust at all from the carryover. And I look at Isaiah Hodgins still having a viable role here. But am I banging the table to draft Giants in fantasy football wide receiver? Absolutely not. But we're going to see how this plays out. If I'm going to look at another sleeper behind Wandell and Hodgins, I'm looking at Paris Campbell because I think he had that potential with the Colts. They are rather aggressive to pick him up. Yeah, some of the qualities that Tyree Kill has from that offense and that we've also seen Isaiah McKenzie 
from uh, Brian Dable's offense with the Bills. So I think that's a guy I'm not totally forgetting about. But if I was going by what we know so far, Hyatt's inexperienced, Slayton Shepard just being fill-ins as needed as veterans when someone like Galladay didn't come through, I would say Wandell and Hodgins are going to be your best targets here for Jones with Campbell being the sleeper to take over in a key role. So very interesting situation there with New York, especially with the limited improvement from last year and trying to change that wide receiver core. We thought they were going to really aggressively go after a receiver, but they end up with Jalen Hyatt as a pure big play threat here that can develop into something more in a later round. So there you have it. There's a look at the... Nine most uncertain wide receiver situation in fantasy football. Number nine, Chiefs. Number eight, Vikings. Number seven, Jets. Number six, Broncos. Number five, Patriots. Number four, Texans. Number three, Panthers. Number two, Ravens. And number one, Giants. So good way to end the week here as we go into long weekend. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day is enjoy that long weekend here, Memorial Day. It's a good time to regroup and uh, spend with family and uh, enjoy the weather. And uh, hopefully your pools are open. So all that kind of good stuff. Before we dive fully into the stretch here of uh, fantasy football before we prep for the draft. So a lot of good stuff there for you. So for Locking on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great weekend. We'll check you out Monday with a look at the tight end uncertainty situations here in 2023. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.